How's everybody? That's terrible. How's everybody? Listen, your worship was awesome standing backstage and, and listening to you. It was, uh, it was awesome. So we're starting a new series tonight. We finished our series on the prophets Elijah and Elisha. And uh, I get the privilege of kicking off the series. We're going to be in the, the book, the letter of Hebrews over the next several weeks. So if you guys want to read that and, and make that a part of your, your daily devotions, uh, you can. I want to say a big hello to everybody who's watching online. Welcome, church. We're glad you're there. And uh, thank you all for, for coming out in this brave new world and being a part of, of what we're, we're doing here. It is a, uh, it's a unique time that we live in. Correct? Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of beyond what any of us could have ever predicted or imagined uh, that, we, that we now currently find ourselves in. And I don't, you know, listen, I don't know about you, but there seems to be a lot of uncertainty as a whole. Not all of you are uncertain, obviously. Not everybody who's watching online is uncertain. But there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. Um, there's certainly a lot of discouragement in the world. And not just because of COVID. Um, there's millions of people unemployed. There's still millions of people that haven't even been able to get registered for unemployment. Um, and then you add on top of that all of the civil unrest that we find ourselves in across the nation where cities are burning and people are opposing one another in complete anger in the streets across our city. It is a time of rare uncertainty. And for most of us, if not the majority of us, it's an unheard of time. And there's a lot of discouragement in the world, right? There's a lot of people that are, that are not just uncertain, they're discouraged about their life and about where it's going. And they're discouraged about the world that we live in. And, and is thing, are things going to get back to normal? And what does new normal look like? And the reality is we all, listen, we're all affected by it at some level or another. Correct? Right? And all of that changed. It's like I, like I told my buddy down the phone. Listen, when you're 56 and all of a sudden you've got to adjust to a new normal, that does not go over well. Right? Something about being younger and adjusting to change is leisure. But when you're 56, right, I went into a, I went into a gas station in Daytona Beach yesterday and forgot my mask. Now, I don't know if you know, but there's a mandate in Daytona to wear a mask. Now, of course, they're not, they're not holding you to it until next Sunday, but I, I, I completely forgot, right? And I had to apologize to the lady who was behind the counter because it was clear that I was in violation of what was taking place. Just, um, the, listen, just the myriad of those changes creates uncertainty for all of us, right? And the great thing about the letter of Hebrews is God gave this book to Joe months and months and months ago, long before COVID was even a word we'd ever even know we would know. And this letter was written to people who were discouraged, people who were ready to give up, right? People who were ready to throw in the towel. And so I am 100% convinced that God had his hand in drawing Joe to this letter, a letter that we have never preached since I've been here in 10 years, that this was the time that, that God would ask him to to preach on it. And I'm not certain there's a better time for all of us to walk through the letter, to learn about how not to give up in spite of the discouragement. And so I'm excited that we get to kick that off tonight. And we're going to do that in, in, in chapter one. But I heard a story about a woman 
who, uh, a single mother who lived in a neighborhood and life was incredibly tough. She had three children, constantly struggled to make her rent, uh, at times finding herself constantly having to choose between paying her rent and buying groceries, and she would pray. She was a woman of faith and believed in God, and so she would pray. She would pray on her porch, and she would pray in her backyard, and she would pray in her kitchen with her windows up, and she would pray, and she would ask God specifically for God to, to bring groceries or to answer her prayers. Unfortunately for her, her next-door neighbor did not believe in God, was anti-God, and, and, and almost angrily so. And so he set out to try to disprove her God. So one day she's praying in the backyard. She's in desperate need of groceries. They've had no food in the house. And she's praying to her God and asking God specifically for what groceries she needs. So he decides he's going to take care of it. So he hears her prayers and goes to the store and he buys her everything she prayed for. Ended up being about four bags of groceries. He brings them and sets them on the front step of her house while she's at work. And then he waits, right? He waits and she comes home and she goes up the step and immediately she just starts crying. And immediately she just starts praying and saying, thank you, God, for answering my prayers. You are so good. And about that time, the neighbor jumps out of the bushes and just looks at her and says, you're a fool. You think God took care of that for you. I want you to know I was the one that bought you the groceries. God had nothing to do with it. And she looked at him through her tear-stained eyes, and she paused for a minute, and then she started praying again. Thank you, God, for being greater than I even thought you could be. You not only answered my prayer and brought me the groceries, you had the devil pay for it. Okay? Yeah, my note says, pray and be funnier than Joe. Right? Right? Listen, what are, listen I don't know about you, but... I believe with all my heart in the darkness that our world has faced, we need some light, right? We need some good news. I mean, every stinking day, Florida sets a record for the most coronavirus, case, coronavirus cases in the entire world, right? I mean, it's just every single day, right? I mean, according to the news outlets, Florida is going down and going down quickly, right? I mean, we live in a world where there's not much good being communicated from our TVs, from our radios, from the internet, from social media. I mean, we live in a world that's darkness. And if anything, the world needs, they need a picture of who God truly is. Because the Bible says that God is love. Amen, church? Listen, the Bible says that God is light. Amen, church? Amen, church? Listen, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Amen, church? Listen, what the world needs is a better picture of who God is. Because that's clearly being lost. And it's not just lost. You heard Joe say this a few weeks ago. An honest picture of who God is isn't being lost just in the world with people who don't believe in him. It's being lost within the church. We are raising people in the church that have completely lost the sense of who God is. Because our God is good and he is light and he cares for you. And his grace, even though it's sufficient, it is beyond compare. And our world needs a picture of who God is. And the letter of Hebrews kicks off by telling us this in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 4. So I'm going to ask you, if you can, to stand with me while we read these verses. If you're at home, as Joe says, we'd love to have you stand as well. Please don't do so while you're driving. All right? So these are the first four verses. 
72 words in the Greek alphabet that commentators and theologians alike claim as some of the best words in the New Testament. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Let me just say this. Because of these verses right here, I don't believe there's prophets in the world. God chose prophets for a purpose and for a season and he used them. He doesn't use them today, right? It says, but in these last days, everybody say these last days, these last days, right? There's former days and there's last days. And we're in those last days, right? These are God's last days. They've been God's last days since Jesus left this earth, right? It says in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. So God's final word, God's final word to us comes through Jesus. He's God's final word to the world. And so the Bible says, Jesus, who was appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of the exact imprint, right, of who God is. He sustains all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So in a letter that we don't know who wrote, doesn't matter, whoever it was, the Holy Spirit inspired, and he doesn't, the writer doesn't start by telling you, hey, greetings in the name of Paul or Peter or Paulus or whoever. He gets right to it. And here's what he says. In a letter designed to keep people from being discouraged, he says this. Listen, there was a time. In the past, right? Past revelations where God used Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos and Hosea, right? God used prophets, people that we have studied week after week and month after month and year after year in this church, right? The Bible says that God spoke to us by those prophets in many ways and in various forms. We saw that just with Elijah and Elisha, right? God spoke to his people through the prophets and those days are over. Those days are over. What's present now is in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. Listen, I can't stress this enough. If these are the last days and God has chosen in the last days to speak to us through his son, then his son is his final word to the world about who he is. Does that make sense to you, church? Right? Jesus is it. Right? If you run somebody out there and say, listen, this person gets the last word when it comes to telling you who I am, then that word is it. Nobody else is coming on stage. Jesus is it. But see, here's the, here's the challenge, church. Jesus is not bodily present in our world today. None of us have ever encountered the son of Mary and Joseph, the carpenter of Nazareth. None of us have ever spoken directly to him. But God's still speaking to the world through his son. The question is how? And I want to show you how God does that so we can begin to talk about why we're here tonight. Right? So let's read a couple of verses together. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. It says, And God placed all things under his, that's Jesus' feet, and appointed Jesus to be the head over everything for the church 
which is his what? Everybody say it. Right? Everybody online, everybody in here, everybody say it. He, it's his what? His body. He is the head of the church, which is his body, the body of Jesus, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Ephesians 4, or excuse me, I think it's 1 Corinthians twenty two twenty seven says this. Now you, everybody say me, right? Everybody say me, right? You, as a follower of Jesus, you are the body of Christ. Not just the church collectively, you as a believer in Jesus, you watching online as a believer in Jesus, you are the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? So even though the carpenter's son no longer resides on the streets of Jerusalem, no longer walks the dusty streets of Galilee, the Bible says the body of Jesus continues to speak in these last days. And the body of Jesus is the church collectively and you as a believer in Jesus individually. Listen, you and I are the last word to this world about who God is. And if there's an absence of light, if there's an absence of God understanding in the world, guess whose responsibility that becomes? That becomes ours, right? It becomes our responsibility to make sure that the last words spoken by Jesus to this world about him, right, are good. And they're truth and they're correct. I want to read a quote to you from A.W. Tozer. You, pro- you don't know who that is and probably don't care. Yeah, I think we got a picture of A.W., right? A.W. Tozer put this quote, said this quote. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It was a quote in the middle of a speech, right? That what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And listen, it does not take many conversations with people in the world today to know what people think about God. And all that makes me know is that one, there's a spiritual battle in the world to keep people blind and hard-hearted and ignorant of the truth. And we probably haven't done a very good job being the last word about God on this planet. Listen, if Jesus is last, in these last days, God spoke to us through his son. Jesus is no longer present, but his body remains. And the Bible says we are that body. How about this verse? Let me find it. My papers are sticking together. Talk among yourselves. It'll be okay, right? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test. Listen, it can't get any clearer than that, can it, church? Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus in here, online, man, let me hear you say, amen. Amen. Man, if you're a believer in Jesus, what a great thing, church, amen, right? But here's the thing. If you're a believer in Jesus, Jesus Christ, God's final word to the world, lives in you. What an amazing responsibility. What an amazing responsibility. So my question that God's asked me all week is, how are you doing with that responsibility? Right? We, we, listen, it's a crazy world we live in. 
And it is a world, thanks to social media, where everybody's opinion gets the same airplay as Dan Rathers used to get on the nightly news, right? Where people would gather around the TV because when Dan Rather spoke, everybody listened. Some of you are like, who is Dan Rather, right? Look it up, right? But there was a day and a time where the news anchor held sway over a nation because of what they said, because we didn't have access to everybody's opinion on Twitter and everybody's opinion on Instagram and social media. Today, everybody's Dan Rather. Today, everybody has their own Fox News channel, their CNN channel, their own YouTube channel. Everybody who can type on social media has an opinion. And the reality is, our world, our world, our world, even the Christians in our world today are not doing a very good job of being God's final word on the subject about who he is. And we need to do a better job. Because what's at stake is not the Oval Office in 2020. Listen, I love being an American. I'll always love being an American. But the most important decision that people will make will not be who becomes president of these United States. The most important decision any believer will make is how much of Jesus are they portraying to people who don't know him, who fail the test. Can I get an amen, church? Listen, we live in a world today where everything has become politicized, even within the walls of a church. It's time for that nonsense to end. Paul says we no longer view people according to the flesh, right? Our desire is to see people come to faith in Jesus because as the COVID-19 virus has reminded us all, we all have an expiration date. We are all going to die and stand at some point in time and answer for that relationship. And there's only one group of people in the world that have the answer. And it's not the Republicans. And it's not the Democrats. And it's not Donald Trump. And it's not Joe Biden. The only answer for that dilemma is Jesus. And guess who has it? We do. You want to know why? Because in these last days, God has spoke to us through his son. And Jesus, the carpenter, no longer lives among us, but his body lives and breathes on 1450 Hand Avenue. Jesus' body lives and breathes at every portal that you're watching tonight. Whether it's through your phone or your iPad or your internet or your TV. Those of you that are watching that know Jesus, Jesus lives and breathes as if he were still here through you. My question is, how are we doing? How are we doing with being the final word on such a great subject that A.W. Tozer says that what we think and what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I listen, here's all I want to do. I want to cover three responsibilities that I believe exist because we are the last word. Listen, if, if, if I'm going to listen. I'm 56. I'm going to die at some point in time. I've already picked the two people I know I want to speak at my funeral. Now, the list of people who would love to say things about me when I die is long, okay? And I've had to be wise about the choice. Because the two people who stand on stage to speak to me, they're going to get the final word in. And I want to make sure that that final word is going to be a good word about me. God wasn't random when he selected Jesus. And God wasn't random when he selected us. The Bible says before the foundation of the worlds, God chose us in Jesus. Amen? 
This is a well thought out plan. And here's the thing, church, whether you like it or not, we are God's plan A. We are his only plan. And man, if you're searching for value in the world and affirmation and productivity and purpose, this is it. No greater, listen, no greater honor than to stand on a stage and speak at somebody's funeral on behalf of somebody who's gone from this world to represent them well. We get to do that for Jesus every day in our homes. So here's three responsibilities we need to take a lot more seriously. One, we need to speak well. We need to speak well. God spoke to us and God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be expanse between the heavens and the earth. And God said, let this happen. Words matter. Can I get a, can I get an amen church? Right? Words matter. Some of you are glued to Fox News and CNN and the TV and the internet and your social media every single day. I bet if you looked at your usage on your phone, you'd be embarrassed. Because we're glued to the words that people say. Because here's what you know. Proverbs. Proverbs 18.21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. I'm not sure there's anything in the world that you possess that's more powerful than your tongue. And those that you have been, those of you who have been on the end of a tongue that knows how to yield itself like a sword knows the pain involved in that. Can I get an amen? The tongue has the power of life and death. And if we are God's last word to the world on his behalf, how we speak matters. Can I get an amen? Yeah, that's a lot more difficult, isn't it? I was like, eh, I guess so. I'm at church. I got to say yes, right? Listen to this verse, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any. How much is that? None. Don't let any. Unwholesome. That Greek word means putrid, rotten, right? Don't let any rotten talk come out of your mouths, but only... What is helpful for the building others up, listen to this, not according to what you think they need, but according to what they actually need, that it may benefit those who listen. How should a Republican, conservative, right-wing Christian communicate in the world that we live today? We should make sure that we have no unwholesome talk on our lips and that what we say benefits the person who hears us, not according to what we think they need, but according to what they actually need. That's a challenge, is it not? But who are we representing? Are we here to represent a party, a political party that will be ousted in four years or eight years? Are we here to represent a belief about a country that will cease to exist when Jesus returns? Are we here to represent a kingdom whose king awaits his return and a kingdom that will never end. Our job is to represent God well and to speak well on his behalf. Amen, church. How about this one? First Peter three, nine, don't repay evil with evil, nor insult for insult. I don't have social media. And the reason I don't is because that verse right there rarely gets applied to Christian people. And here's the thing about social media. Listen, you get in an argument with somebody, it's just you and that person talking, you can deny everything they say you said. I didn't say that, right? You type it, it's around forever. Just ask all of these professional athletes in the last couple of years that have seen their image tarnished because a tweet from 10 years ago when they were 16 was found. 
Right? Listen, what you're typing on social media will last forever. And here's what the Bible says. As believers in Jesus, listen, as the walking, talking embodiment of Jesus Christ in this world, God's last word to the world. He says, you need to speak well. And do not repay insult for insult. Right? But only speak what builds up the hearer. The hearer. Right? We do that not because we think that the person who's listening is right about everything they say, but because as representatives of Jesus on this earth, knowing that that soul in that person is going to answer for an eternal destination, what a privilege to be the last word on God's behalf to tell them about Jesus. Amen, church? He says this in Luke 6.45. Jesus wraps it up and says this. A good man, a good woman, Brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil man or an evil woman brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Listen, don't kid yourself, church. We got to stop kidding ourselves. The world knows when our heart is full of evil, even though our words may celebrate Jesus. Because when we have a chance to never repay insult for insult, when we have a chance to get rid of rotten, putrid words, we fail. And never more so than in the world we live today is that important. Everybody says, when it comes, everybody, huge brush, okay? Lots of people say, when it comes to racism in the world and what's going on with the civil injustices and what's going on with the statues and what's going on with the Republican and the Democratic Party and what's right. Here's what we say. The good thing is, is we're having a conversation, right? At least we're talking about it, right? You want to know why? Because words matter. And Christians, as the last word on God's behalf, in the form of Jesus' body, man, we have got to learn to speak well. Some of you need to get off of social media tonight. And here's why. Because you need to be a better representative of God's last word. Some of you should take your phone right now and walk outside and have that horse out front step on it and crush it. Because it has become a stumbling block to your witness to the people in your home, to the people you live with and work with. Because what's at stake is not the Oval Office. What's at stake is eternity for your child and your grandchild and your neighbor and your friend and your enemy. What's at stake is a destination that will last for all eternity. That Oval Office can be transitioned every four years, sooner if somebody resigns. And guess what? The nation just goes on and on and on. The problem is it's going to come to an end. And those who speak well, as Jesus on this earth, we run a much, much, much better chance of leading people to Jesus and leading people to understand who God is. Can I get an amen, church? Right? Listen, I know this is hard. And I struggle with saying it. But man, to me, this is what the church has been built for. The church was built for this darkness. Because if there is no place where light can be seen except from the church, because we're the ones who embody the message of hope. Amen? So let's show people God's goodness. 
And if that means you got to be quiet and not return an insult and only give to people verbally what they need to hear, man, do it. Why? Because the second responsibility we have is we got to show well. We got to show well. Look at Luke 646. Here's what Jesus said. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. Carrie Graham is one of our pastors on staff. And I tell her this regularly because I want her to like me. That she is one of the best pastors I've ever met. Has one of the greatest pastor hearts that God has ever given a person, male or female. Right? And when Carrie baptizes a person, she always stresses, Jesus isn't just your Savior. He's your Lord. Right? He's the boss. And here's, listen, here's the reality. There are people waving around the banner of Christianity. They've got the version app on their Bible and they know the verse of the day. But they call him Lord, Lord, and do not do what he says. Listen, part of the responsibility is being the body of Jesus as a church collectively and as an individual is we have to show well. We have to live that life. First John 3, 3 says this. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone, that's not the, that's not the verse. Hey, go to First John Uh, That's my fault. Well, maybe it is. Let's just finish it. Here's the thing. It's God's word. It's good either way, right? Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared that he might take away our sins and in him there is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Listen, there's, there's a responsibility. And this is hard. Listen, we're all human. Can I get an amen? Listen, our reaction to almost everything that happens in the world is human first. That shouldn't be surprising to you because you're human first. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. But here's our first reaction. It's human. But here's what John says. If you love Jesus online, anybody streaming, anybody in here, if you love Jesus, can I get an amen? Amen. Right? Here's what John says. If you love Jesus, right? That's just a precursor, okay? <laughs> the great thing about Charles and Mel when I preach is they always build me in a little cushion, right? Here's what he says. He said, John says, listen, if you love Jesus, you just can't keep on doing what you want to do. Because if you just keep on doing what you want to do, you never really got saved in the first place. Your people saying, Lord, Lord, not doing what he says. Part of our responsibility as Christian people is to live our lives well. Not just speak well, but live well, right? How about this verse? And 1 Corinthians 13, 13, 1 and 3 through 3. Because this is the heart of the matter, church. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy or preaching or proclamation and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move a mountain but I do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give everything I possess to the poor... And give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I haven't gained a thing. Listen, and that love, that's not human. It's not human. It's not how you feel. That love is agape. That love is you making a choice to be sacrificial. It's you making a decision to say, that person, that person, that person, and that person are more important than me. Right? You want to know how you live well? It's really simple. You always put...
what the other person needs before your own. Listen, when you do that, you can't help but live well. But when you put yourself before other people because you're afraid that somebody won't take care of you, it makes it really complicated to live well. Listen, you know what Jesus did to live well? He made all of us more important than himself. He gave up the greatest job in the history of the world. The word of God that created and formed everything. The Bible says that everything was created by him and through him and for him. And you know what he did with it? He laid it down. You want to know why? Because he knew you would be here in 2020. He knew I would be here in 2020. And he knew we would need a sacrifice for our sins. And he chose you over him. And he chose it every day that he was here. Because had he not, his sacrifice wouldn't have worked. What if somebody that we know, looking to see Jesus in this world, and listen, our world needs to see Jesus. I'm sick of seeing politicians on my TV. And I'm sick of seeing talking heads on my TV talking about politicians on my TV. I'm ready to see Jesus in our world. And I'm not just the only one. There are millions of people that are dying for hope. There are millions of people dying without hope. And we're it. And you know how we do it? We love. Doesn't matter how you feel. You sacrifice for those people and what they need. Because it does not matter if we walk onto this stage and you come into this building and you join us online and we sing like angels. If we don't love people, it doesn't mean a thing. And if you sit in your home groups and you know every verse and you can answer every question the leader gives you and you're never shocked by anything that Joe says because you already knew it, it doesn't mean anything if you don't love and if you're willing to go on every mission trip that we offer at this church and serve every hour the food pantry's open, and you're willing to join every team on this campus to make sure that we can do what we do, and you don't love the people that walk through those doors, it does not mean a thing. You know how we show Jesus? We love. We love. And we make sure that that love is known. And it's not how you feel, it's what you do. Because what you do is what love really is all about. How about Titus 3, 1 and 2? Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. Listen, let's just talk about the face mask issue for a second. How many of you are all comfortable with wearing a face mask everywhere you go? Thank you. Welcome to Demoka, right? You know why we wear a face mask? Because listen, I, how many doctors are in this place? Give me a hand if you're a doctor. Not one person. Okay, so none of us are experts on a face mask. We've all been told and we all believe what we want to believe. You know why we wear a face mask? Because the Bible says to be subject to your rulers. That's it. It's really not that complicated. Now, I hate them. I look like a moron when I got my yellow face mask and my yellow sunglasses on, right? I look like some kind of villain in a superhero movie, right? But you know why we wear it? Because Titus says, remind the people. Which people? The people who are the embodiment of Jesus and the last word of God to people on the earth. Be subject to your rulers and authorities. Is it easy? No. Is it stupid? 
Yes. But why do we do it? Because what's at stake is not what you and I believe. What's at stake is what people hear and what they see about a God who chose to speak to us in these last days through His Son. Which means He's speaking through you and me. And I want people to know Jesus more than I want them to know me. And there was a time where that was not the case. I loved Jesus, but dang, I loved me more. And every word out of my mouth and most actions out of my, in my life were designed to draw attention to me. God can't be seen that way. God can be seen when we adhere to these verses. Bring that verse back up. Titus 3.1 Remind the people to be subject to rulers, authorities, to be obedient, to be ready, to do whatever's good, to slander no one, speech, to be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward, come on, say it, everyone. Republicans, be nice to Democrats. Democrats, be nice to Republicans. Why? Because if you're a Christian, our leader, our authority is different. Jesus, listen, listen. I know my time's out. Jesus, and I'm, I'm going to stand. Is that okay? Listen, Jesus did not. I read the Gospels again. Jesus did not, at, at any time that we know in recorded biblical history, where the writers wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, eyewitnesses to his life, not one time did Jesus denounce Nero and ask his followers to vote him out. Never once did he go on a rant about the government. As a matter of fact, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But what's God's is God's. Listen, that's all he's asking out of us today, church. Listen, give to the government what's theirs. If you're a believer in Jesus, listen, be subject to your rulers and authorities. And if you're a follower of Jesus, be peaceable. Consider it. Always thinking how to benefit and be gentle to the other person. Because at the end of the day, everything about being a Christian boils down to sacrificing well. Here's Paul's words in Ephesians 5. He says this, Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Listen, everything that we've talked about goes against everything that is human in us. There's... There's nothing more challenging at times than to keep your mouth shut or to say something peaceable or to say something that will build somebody up when your human flesh wants to let them have it. And man, it is tough. It is tough to choose love in this world today. It's tough to consider others, others, people that we think in our head are dumb and they're wrong and they couldn't be more off base and off kilter. It is a challenge to make that person more important than yourself. But the only way to truly show Jesus in the world is to sacrifice. Because Jesus said this, if you want to be my disciple, 
If you want to be my follower, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I met a lot of Christians who are willing to go all over the globe and serve wherever God calls them. And I've met just as many Christians that love being a martyr. Can I get an amen? The hard part is doing the first thing well, denying yourself. Listen, the only true way to represent Jesus as God's last words on this earth is to make sure that you and I sacrifice well. Which leads us into the heart of what we do every week, which is to observe communion. So we're going to do that together, church. So if you're watching online, if you're streaming with us, listen, get whatever you've got to, to observe these emblems. Right? The Bible, the Bible says of these emblems that this bread... Now listen, if you're new to church, it's all in one. So there's two little flippy flops. The top one reveals the wafer. The second little plastic thing reveals the juice. Some of you are bound to spill it on yourselves. We apologize in advance. And, uh, but listen, these emblems, listen, this little plastic cup and this little wafer have no value. Well, they have a value because we bought them. But the value in is what we remember. Communion is about remembering, right? It's about remembering what Jesus did. And you know what Jesus did? He fulfilled his responsibility to be God's last word to the world that he lived in. He spoke well. He showed well. And ultimately he sacrificed well. He said, take it and eat it. This bread that's broken for you. Because this is my body. Right? Do this every time you do it in remembrance of me. And the Bible says that after supper, he took the cup. This is the crazy part. Jesus did what he did. And then God went, my love for these people in Ormond Beach in 2020 is so great. I'm going to accept it. Even though it's going to cost my precious son his life, I'm going to accept that sacrifice. And so Jesus said, listen, this is the cup of the new covenant. Right? It's poured out for us. He said, so drink it, every one of you, and do it in remembrance of him. Father, it's, um, it's a privilege to be called into such a great honor. Many of us will never get to be the last word on many subjects or many people in this world today. But somehow, in your infinite plan, formed before the world ever began, you chose us in Jesus. And you filled us with his presence. So that today, today, July the 4th, 2020, in Ormond Beach, Florida... And across the globe where everybody's listening, you've decided that we now are your final word to this world. My prayer is that we would take that responsibility serious. And we would ask ourselves every day, 
How are we doing? God, remind us to speak well. Remind us to live well. And ultimately, God, remind us to sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.